and welcome to Casting Nets. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. I am joined here with two other fascinating, awesome gentlemen that I'm honored to be with. One is Pastor Will Harley. Hello. And today our special guest, Samson Lohr, who is here from Manitowoc. Hello, guys. And uh, Samson, did you come preloaded with a dad joke for today? No, I did not. Okay. I so. spent this morning Googling some, but I could not find anything that you haven't used yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're complaining about the coffee today, if you're saying that this coffee tastes like mud, I'm here to remind you that it is fresh ground. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so today we're talking about Simpson Lore, who is a student of the Pastoral Studies Institute. Are we talking about him or talking with him? Well, we're talking Because <laughs> if we're going to talk Hopefully. about him, I'm thinking he'll be all right. Because you can just be like, I don't have to participate. I know. I could have just sent you all my information and it could have been, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have to be here right now. <laughs> yeah. but, but I am glad to be here with you gentlemen. So, well, Thank it's, you. That's awesome. And uh, We'll still talk about you. Okay. <laughs> And uh, as we do so, we're oh, I, this is uh, the disclaimer portion of the show. Yeah, you gave that to me, but that's I okay. Did. You you gave me a very good introduction. This is a show where it is two pastors, and now with uh, a third one in training, where we get to sort of discuss our ideas, our thoughts. Um, if there's something that is offensive. We don't mean it to be offensive. It's just the conversation that we are having together um, as we bounce ideas off of each other. We'll try to keep our our callings in mind. We'll try to keep the calling bodies and the synod in which we are a part and the <clears throat> confessions mm-hmm. which we confess uh, all in our minds as we go forward. But uh, if you'd like to reach out, talk with us because it is the beginning of a con- uh, conversation. You can do so through our Facebook page. Um, you can also contact us at castingnetspod at gmail.com or at our congregations, right? So you'll be here in our northern campus that is Shirley Emanuel, or Emanuel Shirley, I should say. Shirley, you know where that is. Shirley, I do. I've made it here many times. (laughs) Or you can catch us in the southern recording campus, which would be St. John Maribel. And where could they catch you? Uh, Yeah, we're at Trinity Monk Lutheran Church in Manitowoc. We share a church with um, First Sherman. Very good. So uh, Hmong ministry in Manitowoc. Awesome. We're going to talk more about that. I'll get back to you then. Uh, Hmong ministry is one of those ministries that's really close to my heart. When I was a vicar, a young vicar, we were uh, doing an offshoot of the Manitowoc Hmong ministry in Appleton, uh, mm-hmm. serving at St. Paul in Appleton and helping. We had, I lived where I lived in my apartment. There were um, Hmong kids around, so I invited them over. We played video games. We did uh, Sunday school lessons with them as well. After the video games. After the video games, before the video games, and every Saturday we would, uh, I'd fill my car up with kids and we'd go over to St. Paul's because they would do like a Sunday school type thing. Okay. And I also had a call at one time to, uh, St. John in St. Paul, Minnesota, where, um, Pastor Mua, or is it Pastor, how do you do, would you do the first name or the, the last name when it comes to the pastor? I usually do both because, uh, in the Hmong culture, we all have pretty much the same last names. So like all my uncles were all, my dads are all pastor lords, so okay. you kind of have to say the first name too to kind of identify which pastor lord you're talking about. Sure. So yeah, Pastor Ping Mo is how I would. That's how you'd yeah. address him. Yeah. So he and I were talking together, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, this this 
at the time it was an interesting uh, proposition to work with him mm-hmm. and, uh, and the Hmong church there in the cities. But now, I, uh, a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months, months ago already, we had our, our LWMS rally at uh, Trinity Hmong in Manitowoc, and your dad was slated to be the guest presenter, but it, due to health reasons, he said, <laughs> okay, son, <laughs> you're, you're up, and you did a fantastic job. So I wanted to make sure that more people heard about your story and uh-huh. um, where you're at. Okay. So I guess that's where we begin, right? That's where we begin. So probably let's uh, let's talk about where you're at first, and then we kind of move backwards. It's always good to start and have a good starting point, and mm-hmm. then kind of move back to how you got to that point. So <clears throat> maybe give us an idea of of where you're at now. So right now I'm in the in the PSI program. There is about four levels. I'm in level two right now. Okay, and I have two more levels to go. And then for those who are listening, the PSI program, Pastoral yep, Studies Pastor. Institute, yep. that is centered at the uh, Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. So um, I know I was around when that started. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I came through that system when it was before it had its focus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I know how it started, but it's it's Gone through many iterations before, yeah, or, yeah, or, or since the seminary has kind of <clears throat> taken control of it. Like they, right. they, they send out all the classes, pick all the teachers, and everything. So it's 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 a very good program right now. I can say, yeah. So is it? Uh, so is that program set up as like a? When when I was there, it was set up in like a typical year program. They had sort of slotted classes that are mm-hmm. going for. So they do the same type of system now. Yeah, kind of. Uh, but the thing is. It's kind of a, a basis on if you can find a teacher for okay. those classes. So as long as you can find teachers for those classes, then we'll, we'll kind of maybe give three or four classes every, let's say, couple of months, and then you finish those and you move on to the next. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so maybe walk us through what is a a typical semester, we would say, look like then. Uh, it really depends. Um the PSI program, they like to work around your schedule because most of the students in the, the PSI program are fathers and head of their family and they have to go out to work and they have full-time jobs. And then they come home and kind of take the classes maybe part-time. So maybe we do like, like I said before, three or four classes every single, um, I wouldn't even call it a semester. It would just, we just kind of pick up the classes when we can and take them. And then as long as you finish those classes, then you move on to the next level. Okay. So my first question, there really wouldn't be like a vicar year because you are already in a setting where you're using, you're in a ministry setting, correct? Because you're like, mm-hmm. I remember you were saying at the rally, you were saying like your dad saying, well, here, <laughs> Seb said, you do this yeah, and yeah. you do that. and So go ahead. There might be, because uh, my dad, my father, he actually got a vicar year. Okay. So um, when he was in his vicar year, we had to go up to lacrosse. Okay. That's where he he was first called to is just to try to start a Hmong congregation or a Hmong outreach program in lacrosse. But he actually did his vicar year there. Um, all my other uncles, I don't believe they did a vicar year, but for some reason they did offer a vicar year for for my for my father in that time. Yeah. And it, it kind of defeats the purpose yeah. of the PSA program, which is to keep you in the congregation where yes, you're at. Yes. So like mm-hmm. if you're going to go yeah. away for a year, it's like, well, you're trying to keep them in that congregation because they're the leaders of that congregation yeah. that are also training. And, and I think that's the reason why is because they were trying to start something in lacrosse at that time. So they wanted a, a Hmong student in the PSI program to go there to kind of uh, get yeah. familiar with the area and the people that was there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I, to me, this whole PSI program kind of is return back to 
the way the church used to raise its pastors, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was, you know, one of the pastors were starting to get older or feeling maybe a change in life was in order. And so they would raise up a pastor yeah. that would kind of take the place and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and get some education, but really be, be fostered in the congregation that they're a part of. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see how within, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, a demographic of our culture mm-hmm. in the United States that we're going backwards into that mm-hmm. and it's working. I mean, it seems like it's working. Yeah. It seems like it's working. I mean, I would agree. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we have, we have, we have, um, an influx of Hmong coming over uh-huh. and settling and that's fine. Um, and we need to be able to minister to them. Yeah. <clears throat> and the fact that, you know, they're able to do that and we're able to do that, um, in such a, an efficient way, mm-hmm. I think is kind of a neat. And that, that's really why the PSI program was started. I think is for immigrants that came to the United States. They got in contact with local pastors, um, Pastors contact the synod, and the next thing you know, they started training that person to be a pastor to sure. to raise up people uh, around that area. But yeah, uh, that's pretty much how the PSI program. There, there is two paths in the PSI program, though. Okay. Um, there's the Bachelor of Divinity, which is the one that I'm in. It's uh, four levels. We take seminary <coughs> courses, and then we take uh, Greek and Hebrew. But then there is a Bachelor of Theology path too, where they do the same thing, but they don't take the Greek and the Hebrew. It's because the people that go that Bachelor of Theology route are people that are already kind of up in age, like men that are 40, 45, 50 coming into the ministry, and they just want to kind of teach them the the truths of the gospel, teach them the truth of the Lutheran confessions in the Bible, and then kind of have them lead their people instead of... Because uh, Greek and Hebrew, for someone that doesn't, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it might be a little bit hard for you guys too, but Greek, what? And, <laughs> Greek and Hebrew for someone that doesn't even speak English and you're, you're receiving lessons from someone that doesn't even speak your language, it's kind of hard to comprehend the, the two. Well, and that's sure. and, and that was one of the things I actually, as I was thinking about going to the program, and, and I'm glad you brought it up because mm-hmm. then I don't feel odd bringing it up. How does that work? I mm-hmm. mean, when you're, you're dealing with Greek, you're dealing with Hebrew, and, and I know a lot of our discussions were, we had the text, we had the words, but we, we talked in English. Yeah. yeah. To, to, you know, it, cause it, cause we were comparing it to sentence, English sentence structure and, and mm-hmm. English rules and, and looking at how, you know, Greek and Hebrew have a huge, well, maybe Hebrew less, but Greek definitely has a huge intersection with, Western culture mm-hmm. and, and the way that we have formulated our own language. Hmong language is, and correct me if I'm wrong, on the different variation mm-hmm. from the Western assembling of how we do words. Mm-hmm. And so how does that, I mean, that has to be like a complete mind altering, like yeah. I, I got to pause my natural way of thinking. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that's why, um, there's the Bachelor of Divinity and the Bachelor of Theology because the Bachelor of Divinity requires a little bit of English to kind of understand what um, the professor is going to be teaching you in sure. Greek and Hebrew. But the Mon language is kind of developed from um, French. Really? Oh. Yep. So that's how the Hmong people, we never had a written language. Maybe we had one way back then, right. but it was lost. So now we, the language was just passed on through um, oral tradition. Okay. And then it wasn't until the missionaries from France came in, um, 
and in the early 1900s to Laos, and they started reaching out to the Hmong people. That's when they started developing this um, this language that was developed from the French language. Yeah. So, so was the lang- So you said you had a you had a spoken language. Yes, we have a spoken language. Mm-hmm. So then it was sort of the the French influence that influenced the written aspect. So the the written rules you might say come from a, a Western. Yeah, it come from a Western background. Yeah, but the mm-hmm. words themselves and the. Yep, the word themselves are kind of, um, I, I, I don't know if you want to say Asian, but yeah, it's just we, the way we talk and they just kind of sounded it out and then made, sure. um, writings to it. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, a I didn't, I, I didn't know that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know that, um, Chinese culture, I know Japanese culture, they all kind of stem from that Semitic idea of picture mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know that, and yeah, that's that's kind of what we had too. You know, like if you go to the ancient um, Egyptians, they'll have um, hieroglyphics in the right. wall, pictures, and all that stuff. And that's how the Hmong people kind of pass down their tradition and their languages and their cultures. Is something we call. Uh, if Pastor Rudot remembers, I presented it at the, the LWMS. It's called a, a bandao, where they just have a sh- uh, cloth there, and they would sew pictures. Really? Into that cloth, and it would tell a whole story. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I wasn't too far off. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good that I wasn't too far yeah. off. But no, no, that's that. Yeah, I give you a lot of credit. I mm-hmm. mean, learning Greek and Hebrew in English <laughs> was hard. Well, enough. I haven't got there yet, but pre- hopefully pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, my prayers are with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, in in Greek for me. They used to say it was uh, um, the chapter eight dropout. But this was in when I was in the LCMS. Um, chapter eight was learning the aorist tense. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be like participles. Uh-huh. They never made it to the participles. They, they got to the aorist tense. They're like, I'm done. Yeah, my my father is always like, Hey, you want all my old Greek stuff? I'm like, Maybe I should look at it, but no, nah, I don't want to look at it yet. <laughs> what What is your favorite class that you're taking right now? Um, right now I'm taking two classes. I'm taking um. Law and Gospel 201. Okay. And then I'm also taking a evangel, spiritual evangelical leadership. Okay. So um, those are the only two classes I'm taking right now. I'm just waiting for them to find another teacher that's willing to teach another class. Um, my favorite class so far has been Law and Gospel. I like it because it really speaks to my heart and what I want to preach and talk to other people about. And then uh, also I really love the Psalms class. We when we went back and looked at the Psalms with uh my father actually talked that taught the class. So me and him we 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 looked at the Psalms together, but the material was provided through the seminary and the professor. I had to send all my papers to the seminary professor and all this stuff and it was a really good insight into the Psalms. I I didn't realize how much the Psalms talked about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then it really breaks your mind when you realize Jesus prayed everyone. Yeah, the exactly. And I'm, I'm looking at them like, oh, chapter two, the sun right here. Oh, it's talking about Jesus. <laughs> here I am again. Yeah, so, so many insights from, so many comfort insights from the Psalms that I took. It's just an amazing cl- uh, class that I, that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely tell Law and Gospel every year we teach a confirmation class. That's always my, this is the one thing I tell the kids. If yeah. you get this right, you get the rest of it right. Yeah, so exactly. let's get this right. Well, and isn't that what Luther, you know, Luther had, had kind of said, you know, 
distinguishing, and this was uh, Walter too, distinguishing law and gospel is something that is the lifelong practice of the mm-hmm, pastor mm-hmm. because the natural tendency of man is to always gravitate to the law. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> in whatever way we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to to have to break that mold and have someone interrupt us in, in that way of thinking to say mm-hmm. there's the gospel which is nothing to do with you. It's It's coming from external in. So, no, that's a, a great thing. So, and I guess I'm kind of interested. You, you noticed, or you had made mention that your classes, you, by the time you're done, you'll either have a Bachelor of Divinity or a Bachelor of Theology. Yes. Is it then encouraged to go back to more professional, or mm-hmm. I shouldn't say professional, more um, regular theology? What would you say for, for seminary classes? Further like education. Structured? Master of theology. Yeah, go to the structured yeah. seminary class. <laughs> yeah. yeah my, thing. Um, so my father, there's my father and Pastor Ping Mua and I think some of my uncles, they actually got the Masters of Div- Divinity too. So after they got the Bachelors of Divinity, they every summer they would go there for about a couple of weeks and take summer courses until mm-hmm. they, they finished their Masters of Divinity. Okay. And that that is what I'm planning on doing too after. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pastor Ping Mua graduated with me in 2004. Well, and I know that there were, when my, when I graduated in 10, mm-hmm. there were some that I, I can't remember all of them, mm-hmm. um, that graduated with me as well, but I didn't know how that worked coming in through the different. Yeah. Right. Cause I know the PSI was a feeder, but I didn't know how it worked. So it's nice to know that it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as rigid as leaving your ministry for four years to go. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was actually what was recommended to me at first, you know, uh-huh. when I first interviewed to kind of get into. So I, I went to dinner with a bunch of <clears throat> seminary professors and they sat around the table. This, the one that was the most hardcore. Don't you was, love those? Yeah, Al, Alan Sorum. He had the same know, experience. Alan Sorum. Be careful. Yeah. He was my advisor. Yeah, I was sitting there. Alan Sorum was like, you know how he, he's pretty, uh, yes, let's say yeah. straightforward, right? <laughs> Has like, he ever, you haven't had him as a teacher yet? No, right? I haven't yet, but I've, I've took his classes. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. just wait until, well, when you're in his class and he says, tell me what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what my, <laughs> that's what my, um, my cousin said too. My cousin's a pastor over in, uh, St. John's in Minneapolis. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he said, Sorum's classes, because yeah, I, I, I asked, I asked him, I was like, so I'm taking Sorum's classes because it's curriculum written by Sorum and then other pastors sure. teach it. And me and the pastor that's teaching, we're just like, uh, what is Sorum thinking here? <laughs> and I was asking my um, my cousin about it because he was actually at the seminary. And he was like, yeah, you know, Sorum's classes, he'll just say, gentlemen, gentlemen, come down sit on the floor with me. And then they would be like, what do you get from this right here? Tell yeah. me what you think. <laughs> or uh, the, His biggest ones when we were in class uh-huh. was, was he would, he, yeah, he, I'm glad that uh, come on down here and, and get on the floor with me hasn't changed. But yeah. he would say, he wouldn't even, he would just be like, okay, he would have assigned a translation or something like that. Yeah. And the first thing he would say is, tell me what I'm thinking. About what? <laughs> It was always That's a about dangerous the, question to ask me. <laughs> no, it was always about the text, but he had, he, I mean, he, he, he really has a way to want to drive people to start thinking more. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but that's good. I'm glad that, you know, over the years, his teaching style hasn't changed. It just got more refined. Yeah. So, so when you were sitting around the table, they were yeah, suggesting sorry. that you go to seminary. <laughs> 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 yeah. They, we had dinner and then after a while I heard back from them, they're like, 
uh, we're sorry to inform you, but we don't think you should go the PSI route. But we want you guys to, uh, we want you to go through the traditional route uh-huh. to go to MLC and then go to the seminary and then be a pastor. And I, I thought about it. I really prayed hard about it. And then I was just like, well, I just moved to Manitowoc. I'm settling in at the church. I'm helping my father out. Um, my wife just enrolled to school at college too. So I'm just like, man, uh, it's a hard decision. And after a while, I, was, I just told him that, uh, I can't at the moment, you uh-huh. know, maybe in the future. And then a couple months down the road, they kind of decided to call me back and say, Hey, we'll, we'll get you in the PSI program. And it's been a blessing to be in the PSI program, getting to know, all the local pastors and the professors that I've had classes with and also all the brothers in Christ that I've had classes with also. Yeah. So I guess this is maybe more question for you, for, for you, Dave, are they, this, this ministry is interwoven in the circuit, right? So they come to circuit meetings. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, his dad would come to pastors conferences. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen you there yet. But no, not yet. Not yet. Mm-hmm. But when you do it, it'll be awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, he does come to those okay. functions. Okay. Well, and I guess what's your position? I mean, you're not necessarily a vicar. Nope, not yet. Mm, I'm just pretty much helping out at the church. Um, I help with Bible study. Okay. I, I lead the, the youth. That's pretty much what I do right now. And then just recently we started doing um a English kind of like a short ten minute devotion during the monk service because a lot of the times the kids and the young adults that come to church they don't understand monk. So they're not really getting anything out of that also. <laughs> it's like someone speaking tongues to them, right? right. <laughs> sure. So you're saying people who, who have grown up now yes, they're, stateside are mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. speaking English. That's yeah. fascinating because when we had uh, uh, Pastor Tib Flunker come, who is the Hispanic consultant, yeah. that's the same thing where in the Hispanic culture you would think, well, if you're going to reach out to the Hispanics, you need to know Spanish. And he's like, well, this is – think of it more of an integrated mm-hmm. uh, reaching out because you're going to have Spanish for the elderly, but then also English, like you said, for the next generation. Because yeah. eventually sure. it would be nice to have a church that is – as it used to be, multicultural. Yeah, yeah, right. But I, but I think that I think the the hardest part is, I mean, the language barrier is a is a thing. But I think it's more the cultural barrier. Yeah, sure. that is. <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. the way we think about things and the way that that mm-hmm. the Hmong think about things are are two different ways of of thought. Yeah, that's what I said. It, it would be nice to have a multicultural church, but at the same time, there's still that culture barrier where we want a Hmong church. But at the same time, we want to speak English. <laughs> that's that's what the younger generation is saying, and I'm just like, well, if that's the case, then we might as well just make it a, a multicultural church. And that 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 is the goal uh, going in the future is kind of just you know changing this. And I'm sure the uh, what the Wells had an issue back then too when the Wells were changing from German to to English, right? Yeah, yeah. the world world war. Changed that for us. Yeah. <laughs> so you had to go to you had to go to English, right? Yeah, World War One, yeah. definitely, definitely. But World, World War Two was yeah. like, yeah, I think we should stop. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I was pushing the flashy button. You're things. just pushing buttons. Yeah. No, I, I, you know this. We've had these discussions before mm-hmm. about um, multi-site ministries, have this discussion that we've been talking about. What is ministry in the future going to look like in the church? And 
<clears throat> multicultural ministry brings a whole different nuance to kind of that conversation. Um, you know, could you have a multi-site church that had a multicultural ministry? Mm-hmm. You know, where where you had you have churches that were this site is predominantly you know, what you would normally find in a Wells congregation in the United States Midwest. This congregation is among ministry, but they're all mm-hmm. part of the same ministry. You have people from both sites on the board. You have people from both sites doing both work. Um, you know, their celebrations for Christmas are, are combined and you yeah. have elements of each, you know. How would that look? I mean, to me, that's just a fascinating, that that really is a fascinating idea. I think it would look amazing. But like I said, we just need to get past that cultural boundary that we all have. I mean, we don't want to say it, but we all sinfully, I mean, we're all sin, we all have a sinful nature. We kind of build up a defense or where, yeah, I'm more comfortable with someone that looks like me. (laughs) I'm not going to lie and say it about it yet. Unfortunately, there aren't many people that look like me. <laughs> <laughs> so he's uncomfortable with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but, uh. <laughs> but no, I, I think you know. I, yeah. Going forward in ministry, mm-hmm. looking at, at pastor shortages, looking at um, demographic shifts in the churches, multi-site ministry is going to be more of a thing than what we have perceived it to be. And I'm, and dual parishes are, it's a system that has worked, mm-hmm. not maybe the best, but it's worked. But I think going to multi-site ministries where you have people who are working together and you can have one location that predominantly does this and another location that predominantly does that. But now those, those two locations are together in one ministry and you start making those inroads. Yeah. And, and you might not have the, the complete and utter mix in one congregation or in one location all the time, but you could have this multi, like, if you haven't experienced, you can go there. You're going to get the same sermon. You're going to get yeah. this, you're going to get the same people you, you know, you were used to, mm-hmm. um, you know, working with, with, uh, among pastor, whoever that would be, and then having one who's maybe more your traditional, pastor and they get to switch back and forth and and you get that multicultural yeah music as well yeah yeah, well, yeah uh, i didn't even even think about music yeah, yeah. i know at the lwbs you had the ladies they sing you know uh, um i think they sing amazing grace but they sing it among but it would be neat to see it. i always i'm always drawn to music that isn't what i'm used to just mm-hmm. because it, of the truth that's being proclaimed and the idea of god's God's church is diverse, and mm-hmm. it, we should be embracing that rather than just saying, "Well, this is the kind of music I like, so therefore I should always be worshiping <laughs> this this way." So, so here's a here's a silly question, maybe, but you can maybe answer this more. Um, I've heard a lot of like it's our our hymns translated into Hmong or other, and we're like, "See, we took our good favorite hymn and we trans." Has there or are there? hymns you know good sound lutheran hymns that have been created by the Hmong church mm-hmm. that maybe would be tra- worth translating and should be translated for us to sing you know what i mean instead mm-hmm. of going from ours to yours 
you know, kind of think like we're better because we gave you, but you know, you're God's people too. Mm-hmm. What in, in, and in the freedom that God has given you and the grace that he's shown you, what have you come up with <laughs> and, and share it this way? Yeah, I, I would agree. I, that's what I encourage because a lot of the younger people in our congregations, they, they're really musically talented. So that's what I would encourage them to do is kind of, make music that are good Lutheran music and have sound doctrine in it. Because so many of the hymns that we sing are translated from the old <clears throat> Baptist and CMA hymns that we, we used to, where we came from. And a lot of the times when we translated, my father would have to kind of cross out a few words here <laughs> yeah. and there. This yeah. whole stanza yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Right? <laughs> and then it would kind of... going down to three. And yeah. <laughs> it would kind of make the hymn... Not flow as well and sure. not that enjoyable right. to sing. And that's something that we want to do is, but the thing is we haven't really translated a lot of the Lutheran hymns because we don't have a Hmong Lutheran hymnal that we take from. And that would be a project in the future that maybe we could use because let's say with all the overseas stuff in Laos and um, in Vietnam, especially that would be perfect for them. So instead of them grabbing hymns from, the CMA and Baptist hymns, they could say, hey, open up the Lutheran Hmong hymnal and take hymns from this that are sound biblically and doctrinally. Sure. We did have a, a listener comment that said they would love to attend a worship that would have uh, both Hmong and English elements to it. Uh-huh. Well, we did We did do one of those. Um, well, every every year at First German, we do like, um, let's say, we call it a Unity Sunday where the Hmong and the the Anglo congregation would come together and we would worship together. Either my dad would do the liturgy in Hmong and the pastor would preach in English and there would be a translation in the liturgy. Or, and then we we would go and have um, a fellowship meal together. And when's and, your next time you're doing a unity service? Uh, we do it once a year. We already did it this year. Miss that so one. maybe next year, or maybe you could have a uh, invite us here to do one here. There you go. Because <laughs> we did what do one in Michigan too. Michigan when they had their missions festival, we we didn't even have church at First German that that Sunday. We all just went to. Um, That's a neat idea. Yeah, we all just went to St. Peter's in Michigan, and we we made food, and then we we had um, worship together, and then we had a PowerPoint, and then we had a fellowship meal after. Got to know a lot of people from that Michigan. That would be amazing. Yeah. St. John at Maribel would be a good, yeah. good place Let's for Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christmas is coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got a week. Weekend, right? Yeah, we'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> Too early. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that would be, I mm-hmm. think that would be an amazing thing, but I mean, um, Maybe expand that out even more mm-hmm. and, and do, I mean, I'm envisioning, you know, we had tried to get together and do a park thing and say, Hey, but how about doing, you know, a unity service where, you know, coming together as the body of Christ and we just meet at a park and we do it mm-hmm. and we have that, oh. that would be kind of neat. That well, we, we love neat. to grill food. So there you go. You got me at grill. Uh, steak <laughs> with the ice cold beer, you know, what's better than that, right? <laughs> The word of God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's you. <laughs> There's also a request for you to come back and talk to us about law and gospel. So evidently, Will needs to, to know more about the gospel. So, uh-huh. so what? you're invited. Who is saying this? Oh, wait. They haven't been in church in a while. <laughs> I love law and gospel. So. <laughs> come on back for that. 
You're welcome anytime. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming they're saying that because they want the show to end. Is that why they're saying that? Oh, come back again. <laughs> <laughs> um, why don't we finish off by asking how can our listeners support the Pastoral Studies Institute? Well, maybe um, reach out to your local district to see if there are any PSI students in that area. Uh, get to know them and maybe uh, send gift cards, send them encouragements and whatever to to help them in their studies as they, because a lot of these students, they they do work full time and go to school at the same time too. Uh, maybe send them a book or whatever, you know. Uh, and also I you got another copy of Walter. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of those already. <laughs> but, Law and gospel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know if, the Senate has anything set up for PSI, but if you to don't give directly, I'm not yeah. sure. You can give direct. Oh. So you, if you go in and um, if you do a direct donation to the seminary, you can have it directed to the PSI program. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if that helps the students or if that helps the whole, the whole I don't program. Know. It, it might help with curriculum. Yeah. And things I think it helps nature. with everything. So, okay. Yeah. Right. But you can also do, um, I know one of the things, cause my last congregation did it, um, they got good, bad, or indifferent. They were kind of fed up with how the the synod was not putting money into the educational thing, and so they decided to adopt a, a, a SEM student. Um, I'm, I think you could probably do the same with a PSI student mm-hmm. as well and say, we would like to help do some funding. What would it look like mm-hmm. and how we could do that directly? Yeah. So there, there are those things. What else you got? Uh, anything you want to talk about before we close the show? Are we at closing time already? We are at closing time. Are you really the, serious? The time flies by. <laughs> it did. I mean, well, this was I, the I most wanted, enjoyable show. I wanted to hear about why you guys became pastors. How how you guys became crushed? Pastors. <laughs> <laughs> what would motivate you to become a pastor? <laughs> you want to go first? I can go first uh-huh. if you want, because then yours, that, yours will be a good closing for it if, if you want. <laughs> We'll just finish it at the boom, done. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah, right. I originally wanted to become a pastor because I uh, wanted to know why the Bible says, like the teachings that we have in the in the that we confess mm-hmm. in the confessions. Where does that come from? I wanted to. Act, I didn't take anybody's word for it. Basically, it's like I wanted to know the original languages. So that was the original reason why I wanted to become a pastor. Then while I was at college, uh, my father passed away, and mm-hmm. uh, I went right back to school instead of taking time out because I was like, it would happen in November, so I'm like, I got to finish and get my exams, come back, and then I did the rest of the year because I figured if well, I I survived exam week, my my grades aren't that torpedoed, I can you know finish off the year. But then my senior year, really everything caught up to me, and then I was just done with everything. The the college seemed like a prison. Mm-hmm. And I need to get out. And so, my senior year, uh, toward the end, I was like, "Well, if the synod has put some money into me, so I wanted to give back to the synod before I went off and did whatever." So I uh, served over in Japan for a year, uh, teaching English. And while I was there in Japan, that's when everything kind of caught up to me. I was able to grieve the loss of my father, and then move on from there. And then uh, after that year finished up, then I came back and I'm like, "Well." Why don't I give the seminary one year, and if I don't like it, I can always leave, and I can do something else, and there's no worries. And I think somewhere along the line, my first year, 
that's when it, it started clicking in me that this is something I wanted to do. Mm. Okay. Yeah, his story is a lot more edifying than mine. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was not even Wells. I was LCMS. Yeah. And um, I wanted to actually be a teacher. I wanted to do secondary education. And when I got out of school, <clears throat> I qualified for... Um, I had my grades were good enough qualified for some scholarships, but not enough to pay for to to go to the school. And I wanted to teach in a Christian school just because I did not want to teach in public school. And so, um, a lawyer group actually, um, I couldn't get the rest of the funding. It was like thirty four thousand dollars to go to school, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I have twenty two, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to take out a bunch of loans and things. And so, a lawyers group contacted me. I don't even know how they got my name, but it was a, a lawyers group um, for Christians outside of Chicago, and they uh, wrote me a letter and they said, "We heard that you are are looking to try to go to school and you want to become a teacher." Um, if you consider switching that major to ministry and becoming a pastor, we'll pay for your schooling mm. for, for as long as it takes you to, to get through that. But then they said, but the, the rub is you have to be that many years in ministry. Yeah. So if we pay for four years, you got to be four years in the ministry. If you go five years, you got to be. And, um, I'm like, well, that'll get me to college. So. Like I said, not so very edifying. <laughs> but uh, but no, I I, uh, I I switched my major. Went into um, at that time for the Missouri Senate, it was you, you had a major. You had a pastoral ministries major, uh-huh. and so I did theological languages, pastoral ministry. But then I'm like, I'm going to do my fallback. So I also took history with an emphasis on European and ancient history because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to still teach. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah. So then I, I kind of went through that, and um, I got married when I was still in in uh, just coming out of undergrad. I had gotten married, and then I took one year at St. Louis, and um, at that during that time, my wife wanted to become Lutheran. She was Methodist, mm-hmm. uh, UCC, if you wanted to be specific. Mm-hmm. Um, And she kind of went through, went to the first Bible information class that they had at the congregation we were a member of. And, and I was really excited and I had, I can't remember what I was doing that day, but I came back home and she was there and said, how was your Bible information class? She says, well, we kind of went through the entire catechism. I'm like, like as an overview, like here's where we're going to go. And she's like, (laughs) no, she's like the, the pastor came in and said, we're going to go through the catechism. And now we're going to do small group Bible studies for the rest of this Bible information class. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But I let her go to the second one. And then she she came home and she said, um, so we read some scripture. And then they said, how does that make you feel? Mm. And if you know me, <laughs> all the red flags start to go. And I'm like, yeah. red alert. <laughs> Feelings don't matter. <laughs> Yeah. So so then I went to the next one and the next one we were talking about um Jesus conversation with the woman at the well from from Luke and um <laughs> we we read the the case and and the the guy it wasn't even the pastor teaching the small class and he says uh isn't it wonderful that Jesus doesn't convict her of anything and just is is loving and friendly and invites her and I'm like we're reading the wrong scripture I think yeah, we have to I agree <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, it was then that I said, I'm done. <clears throat> uh-huh. And I finished out. And that was, that was the unique part because I finished, I had my undergrad already. I was one year in the seminary. I was finishing that year and I wanted to still go and, and, and continue on in the seminary. Mm-hmm. So I contacted the seminary and they said, technically we want you to go back to MLC. And I'm like, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and so he had the meeting around the table too. Yeah. My meeting was with different people, not so friendly. <laughs> and, um, and so no, it, it ended up where, where, um, Professor Sorum, mm-hmm. he stepped up and said, we got this new program that is for non-traditional students. Yeah. <clears throat> we can use him as a test dummy to see if the concept works. And so they, they put me through that. So the last six months of I was in St. Louis and I was doing mm-hmm. prep work and I saw my wife for like an hour a day because mm-hmm. <laughs> she had work too. And, and then when I it came to the point where I had to enter the ministry, um, our, the pastor of the congregation that we were supposed to be at or that we were there, um, he's supposed to write you a letter of recommendation to get in the seminary. And yeah. so I went to him for a letter of recommendation. He says, no. And I said, why not? He goes, because you haven't been Wells long enough. Well, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was at that time um, Professor Brenner. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew John Brenner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the dean of students at the time. And, and I had had many PSI classes with him mm-hmm. where we had talked late into the night. And and he stepped forward and he said, I will vouch for, for him to go into the seminary. He goes, but only if you make a friend. <laughs> <laughs> So I made one. <laughs> so it occurred to me that we didn't get Simpson's story why he wanted to become a pastor. So that that's, that's, yeah, it's probably better. I don't know if I can top your stories, though. So. Well, I bet you you can. <laughs> so for me, um, if I could take a time machine and go back to my 18-year-old self um, and tell him, hey, 10 years uh, down the road, you're going to be studying to be a pastor, my 18-year-old self would be like, No. <laughs> That's not happening. My uncles are pastors. My father's a pastor. My grandpa is a pastor. So everyone just kind of assumed that you would go that route. But, uh, you know, being young and dumb, being fresh out of high school, you think that you can go out and conquer the world by yourself, you know. So I went out to, um, I was actually enrolled at Kansas University for the first year. Uh, I was going to be going into the pre-med program mm. to try to be a doctor. There's <laughs> no stereotype, but it is kind of true. Growing up in an Asian family, they always say, you got to be a doctor, you got to be a lawyer, you got to be an engineer. And that's what I try to be was to be a doctor. But after a year there, I was just like, no, this isn't for me. Um, so I moved back to Wisconsin, got a job down in Milwaukee. So I wanted to be close to my family, but I still didn't want to be that close. That close where I have to be under the roof again. <laughs> I want a little bit of freedom. I totally know? understand. <laughs> I do. So I moved to Milwaukee. I got a job at Harley Davidson. So I was making pretty good money there. There's someone who used to work there. Mm-hmm. Got about, I was making about $20 an hour there. I don't know if you yeah. know this, but he's related to the Harley of Harley. Of, you know, oh, Davidson. are you? Fourth generation. Oh, okay. So much, you must be rolling in dough then. <laughs> Cause I'm I saw, rolling in something. I, I saw the revenue reports when I was there. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Distracting. You worked for Harley Davidson. No, it's okay. It's perfect. Yeah. I was working for Harley Davidson as a CNC uh, machinist there for a little bit. Um, and that's kind of figured like, man, what am I doing with my life? Because I was just what? 
going to work, coming home, waiting for the weekend, um, going out to hang out with the boys, doing whatever. And after a while, I was like, I, I got to move back home. So I moved back to lacrosse. And then that's when, right when I moved back to lacrosse, my father got a call to be the pastor here at Trinity. So they we packed up and moved to um, Mantawak. And I still wasn't thinking about being a pastor at all. But as I was, you know, going to church every Sunday again. <laughs> yeah, looking back on the things that I did back then, you know, you kind of feel ashamed about your past, you know, but the thing is there's forgiveness in that in Christ. But yeah, uh, being more involved in the church, looking at scripture again, um, I kind of thought about it, but at the same time I didn't. And then I was talking to a lot of my friends and in the Wells Mong, we don't have a lot of um, other younger Wells Hmong people. It's usually just like a you you have friends from the Baptist Church or the CMA Church, and and they would recommend me sermons and books and stuff. And it was all these popular Reform uh, Baptist pastors like uh, John MacArthur or something. And I was reading them, and I was like, "Well, this sounds pretty biblical. This sounds pretty good." And then <laughs> after a while, uh, I I was reading them, so I went from Jesus died for my sins. I can do whatever with that mindset to the mindset of Jesus died from my sins. I got to prove myself to see if I'm, I'm really one of the ones that he died for. Wow. At this, the whole time, the middle was staring at me. <laughs> Lutheranism was right there looking at me. I grew up Lutheran, but you know, like we're the best kept yeah, secrets. You, you go through, you go through catechism classes. <clears throat> and then when you leave catechism, you go off to a college, you kind of just, Forget about it if it isn't kind of instilled in you. And you, even if it is instilled in you from your home, sometimes, you know, your sinful nature, your sinful desires, it just kind of pulls you away from, from all of that. And sure. So I got to the point where I was trying to prove myself all the time. I was reading scriptures all the time. I was trying to meditate and pray all the time. And I'm just like, this is too much. And then I, the other mindset was I kept looking at others around me and thinking hey they're not doing as much as i am like are they are they really christians like <laughs> it got to that point you know and turned then, into a pietist yeah yeah and then uh i actually <laughs> the funny thing is i actually got one day i was like dad you need to do this you need to do this more and then my father was like oh slow down slow down there buddy here's your catechism look at it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah good father good father <laughs> i had a conversation with um one of my friends, the thing that really hit me was I had a conversations with one of my friends and I actually, it actually came out of my mouth. I said, baptism doesn't do anything. And then as I was driving home, I was like, no, I don't, is that right? No, I don't think so. And then I went back, looked at my catechism, looked at the scripture. I was like, yeah, baptism saves. <laughs> baptism <laughs> does something. <laughs> well, isn't it amazing? Yeah. You know, the, the truth that what Luther said, you uh-huh. know, as, as he said, you know, it, out of all the books, the catechism is the one he wants to return mm-hmm. and should be preserved because he's never got it. Yeah. He had to keep being reminded of it. So that's awesome. So your dad brought you back to your catechism. Yep. Um, made you I, think. Yep. Made me think. I started digging into Lutheran theology and uh, the reading the Book of Concord and all, all this stuff, the confessions. And I'm just Dove like, off the deep end. Yeah. I was just like, man, this answers all of the things that I was, you know, questioning in my mind. And that's when I figured, man, I need to, I guess I got to be a pastor to kind of spread this good news to people because this is a freeing truth that's freed me from 
my own struggles and I want other people to kind of experience that. And I still talk to friends and family today that have that issue where they'll message me and like, man, my pastor keeps telling me do this, do that. And like where I'm not a Christian, I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it is. You know, you should look for a Lutheran church, you know, but you know, just kind of slowly trying to, cause uh, the thing about it is, um, the newer, the Hmong people, they were coming from, um, a first generation. Most of the Hmong Christians now are first generation Christians coming out from the darkness to the light where they were worshiping demons and their ancestors for so long that just being into the light and being knowing who their savior is and trusting in that, that was kind of enough for them. But when their kids growing up, their kids are kind of looking for answers, looking deeper into theology. And that's when they get pulled into the, the deep end where the, the Calvinists or the, the right, the reform. Reform. Yeah. yeah. And, and then looking for the real, real Christians. Much better than ours. Yeah. They're, <laughs> yes. they're, <laughs> I agree. They're always looking for the real Christians, you know, yeah. every time looking for the real Christians. It's funny. It was, I, I talked to one of my friends in Minneapolis and he said, well, I went to, cause there, they, there was a monk pastor that started a church there. For, for, and then he said, well, I, I want to go to that church, but I went to the interview there. They had an interview process and they asked me, when did I do this? Or when did my life change and all this stuff? I had to go through an interview just to get into the church to kind of prove that you're a real Christian. And I'm just like, that's not what the apostles would say to you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, it, <clears throat> sometimes we get caught in our own little world and we uh-huh. start thinking to ourselves that we're the only ones dealing with those types of issues. Yeah, but, exactly. I mean, it, it, what I find interesting is, is your comment on saying that was a, the first generation Christian mm-hmm. from the Hmong tradition. I know Jesus. That's enough. I'm, this is freeing. Yeah. And it's the second generation that has now time on their hands and they're like, okay, well, what, what more is there? Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. is so easily, it's been my experience and, and maybe you have the same experience. And from what you're saying, maybe, maybe that's where it is. It, it seems too easy. Yeah. The yeah. Lutheranism seems too easy. Yeah. I get that statement all the time. I think, yeah, every generation falls back and has the same thing that the second generation among, well, well, I know Jesus, but it, shouldn't there be something more? Yeah, yeah. And there's always every generation, because I think in confirmation, it's every year when you teach these to the kids, a lot of times they're like, well, I've heard this so many times. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you haven't really heard this because this is really the, and I'm not saying they weren't Christian. I'm just saying, uh, the complacency and the apathy of this is the wonderful treasure that you've been given. Yeah. And you're, um, not, treating it as not a big deal. To, to, a part of me always wants to say, I think all of you should go <laughs> wander for a way and then come back. That's but, what happened to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I, I don't want to say yeah, that it's you have to. <laughs> you have to do that in order to truly oh. appreciate it, because it is really the work of the Holy Spirit uh-huh. that leads you yeah. to appreciate it. Yeah, well, it was exactly. Pastor. It was actually. It was actually Professor Sorum who came and he was doing our mission fest, and he he stood up and said, you know, um, sorrow, hardship. Um, God's beating you up so mm-hmm. that so that you're ready for the bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he and said so. He goes so. Don't don't back away from it. Uh-huh. Don't be afraid of it. You know, pray that you get more of it. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, in in those moments of brokenness that I I experienced because the law was crushing my conscience was crushing crushing me. I 
I'm glad that I found Lutheranism where I returned back. Yeah, yeah. refounded Lutheranism where I kind of rested in that truth, you know. Um, whereas when I went towards the other side, the reform side, where I was just like working and working to kind of find that rest, but I could never find find that rest at all. Do you ever yeah. find Lutheranism is like the the father of the prodigal son? You know, it's just just still there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pushing the flashy buttons again. Man. No, that's that's a that is an awesome awesome um mm-hmm. tale that puts you on the on the path to ministry. Yeah, definitely. In so. my like one point is too. I've always found that um the the people that find Lutheranism are more hardcore about it. <laughs> yeah, my my wife she she was a CMA before, so kind of the reform camp too and she was she would say, I would go to church every Sunday. They would tell me I shouldn't do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Otherwise, I'm not really a Christian. And it just kind of turned her off. And so she kind of found rest in, in the gospel and in the word and the sacrament. That's when she, 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 you know how they say they have a, uh, was it cage stage Calvinist where they got to kind of bound them for a little bit. My wife was a cage stage Lutheran when she had to kind of, <laughs> she had to kind of, I had to be like, you know, stop, stop debating with these people all the time, you know, just, just tell them the gospel, leave it, leave it to that. And, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit will work on them. And then she would go to um, the local Bible studies, the women's Bible studies. And she would tell the Lutheran women, the old Lutheran women, God bless them, about her experiences. And they would just be like, what? That actually happens in other churches? <laughs> like, yeah, it actually happens. <laughs> so sometimes I think we're we're so stuck in our Lutheran echo chamber that we... We kind of forget that there are others outside that that need this gospel, or yeah, or make it. or make it seem like the, everybody's getting the same stuff. Doesn't yeah. matter where yeah, you yeah, go; that, they're all getting the yeah. they're all getting the gospel. Exactly. They're not all getting the gospel. Well, that's what I thought too at first. I thought that's why I didn't ask my father. My father was sitting right there. I didn't ask my father about these things because I kind of just thought in my mind, "Oh, we're all Christians. We're all teaching sure. by grace. We're saved by grace through faith." But and they use some of the same yeah. words, mm-hmm. but they don't mean the same thing yeah exactly and that's the real danger yeah that's when i when i started digging into the real meaning of these terms and how they present them right yeah that's when i figured out yeah we're not the same <laughs> yeah you know i think it is easy though to live in a world i mean it, it, it's we think it's easier to live in a world where where our god is a mile wide and an inch deep and mm-hmm. and we can say we can all be on the surface christian and we can all have that moniker and 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 sort of rest here until like with you the real world actually starts to yeah. manifest itself mm-hmm. and you start to have to deal with real problems and real things mm-hmm. and real parts of your soul. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, I don't want an inch deep God. I want, I don't want a mile wide God. I want one who's infinitely deep and infinitely wide Yeah, and, and has more to say to me than what I think. So awesome ministry. Welcome <laughs> brother. Um, maybe a little premature, but it'll get there. Yeah, I still have to go through the process. I think at the level two. That's right. We're all at level two. <laughs> I love it. After Some level of us are at level one. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming. You should come back and talk a long gospel with us because that would be awesome. Yeah, anytime. <laughs>